It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This Locked On Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less, take out, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian, and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals plus free shipping on your first box, and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. Welcome to the party. It's Locked On Sports Minnesota's brand new Endeavor an all-football, all-Vikings podcast coming at you twice a week, Mondays and Thursdays with local experts. My name's Sam Ekstrom. I'm joined today by Luke Inman of Superior Sports Talk with Reggie Wilson. He's on Twitter, at Luke underscore Spinman. Arif Hassan joins, at Arif Hassan NFL. And it wouldn't be a party if somebody wasn't fashionably late. Luke Braun will be joining us whenever he's done taking his rabbits for a walk or whatever it is he does. Uh, make sure to check us out on the podcast, wherever you get your podcasts or watch us on video. You might see Luke's dog, Luke's plant, a reef's humidifier, um, and my like little purple glowy background thing. Uh, what's up, guys? How's it going? What do you got? Uh, not much. Should I get a purple glowy background? I can do that right now if we wanted. Yeah, is that the thing? Is, is that what we're yeah, doing I here? Do I thought we were going to talk about that, Sam. You didn't text me. I, I thought we had a meeting about how we all needed purple glowy background branding. Arif's got like cool black that, and red that? spongy pads. Why stop there? Can I, uh, I pull out all my nostalgic Vikings memorabilia, my 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 uh, three deep poster from Burger King from 25 years ago? I've still got that thing like unfurled at my cabin for whatever reason. It's it still holds up. Reed Carter. And Moss, hey, today we're going to talk about Kirk Cousins. And a lot of people were intrigued by the trailer we released for this podcast where we had a lot of hot takes about Kirk Cousins. And I'm going to I'm gonna take people behind the curtain, spoil things for them. That was a mock debate. We were not really debating, but we should. We should really debate. Let's tell people what we really think about Kirk Cousins, the Vikings quarterback, entering 2022 with massive expectations. Uh, Give me your best Kirk Cousins take. Let's uh, use it as a launching point. And uh, Luke Inman, hit me. Yeah, I, I think so much of this conversation gets veered towards can KOC do with Kirk what he did with Matt Stafford in L.A.? And I'll say it again. It, it might just not be possible to get that same level of play because – Cousin doesn't offer the same intangibles that Stafford does, like the rocket arm, his ability to create plays. Kirk's never been able to make those things happen with his feet. And you're setting yourself up for disappointment, I think, if you think he's just going to start now after 10 years into his career all of a sudden just because a new head coach is here. So KOC is going to have to do even more work for Kirk than he did in L.A., and that's a huge challenge for a first-time head coach because I don't think just bringing in a new offensive scheme is the solution 
for turning Cousins into Matt Stafford light, if you will. I think fans need to scrap that idea notion because your quarterback doesn't have the same tools and skill set as the guy you're hoping he can be. That doesn't mean KOC can't take him to another level like he's talked about we haven't seen before, but it's still going to be in the confines of what Cousins offers. And when it comes to expecting Matt Stafford, He's just not there when it comes to those important intangibles, in my opinion. Let's not forget, Stafford was drafted number one overall coming out of Georgia for a reason. Kirk Cousins drafted in the fourth round for a reason. There's only so much KOC can realistically do to help elevate Cousins in this new scheme. Yeah, McVay couldn't do it. LaFleur couldn't do it. Stefanski couldn't do it. Get, and that is get Kirk Cousins deep into the playoffs. Arif, I believe your uh, mock debate hot take on the trailer was when the cards are down, you can't tell me that Kirk Cousins knows what's to do and get down the field and win the game. Is that how you really feel? Uh, I mean, yeah, the, the part of the, the scripting process for uh, for coming up with, with that debate was to come up with a take that um, was was easy for me to generate, which in this case meant something that I actually did believe is that it was actually difficult um, for uh, me to conceive of a world where Cousins is like a very good, high leverage situation quarterback, one that can win uh, on on two minute drills and, and continue to produce. Uh, when, you know, the chips are down and they're down six points and need a touchdown to win the game. Uh, a lot of that has to do with situational awareness. A lot of that has to do with his tolerance for taking risk. And it, it very much sounds like that's actually something that they're working on in camp. I, I don't know if you remember Cousins' presser from near the beginning of camp. He talked about how he had to change his reads in order to uh, accommodate the new offensive scheme, which is pretty normal for quarterbacks. I, I saw some people making a big deal about that. But one thing was that he had declined a read at the beginning of his progression and moved on. And KOC walks up to him and says, hey, actually, I want you to stick with that read, which uh, it clearly means that there is a different risk tolerance or a different way to view the football field that he's attempting to get Cousins to see. And I think a lot of that has to do with the way Cousins views risk and how uh, he views reward and how he doesn't kind of what Luke was alluding to color outside the lines when you kind of need to be improvisational, right? Like one thing about Matthew Stafford is that he's a very high volatility quarterback. You know, Stafford has long been known for his fourth quarter comebacks. Unfortunately, he's had to perform a lot of them as a former Detroit Lions quarterback. So he's had a lot of practice there, but he succeeded on a number of them. He's actually led the league a couple of years as a comeback quarterback. Now, the other side of that is that it, late in the game, Kirk Cousins is unlikely to throw like a pick six. Like we saw that at the end of the season with Matthew Stafford last year is that he does have a proclivity for throwing, mm -hmm. you know, backbreaking interceptions. We saw that with Favre too, right? 2018 the, Kirk the, was, was backbreaking. 2018 Kirk. Yeah, that's that true. Right. But that has less to do. No, that's a good point. That has a lot less to do with his tolerance for risk and a lot more to do with just kind of the way he was trying to, to read uh, the field. And he came out of some of those games saying, I need to change the way I play. I need to take less risks. And it's like, that's the exact wrong lesson to learn, man. Like, one reason Favre was able to get, make it deep in the playoffs is that he was willing to take the types of chances that would, yes, result in an end-of-game interception against the the Saints in in, uh, in 2009. But that kind of quarterback, you need that kind of quarterback in order to even get there in the first place, right? Case Keenum took a lot of risks. He also ended up in an NFC Championship game, right? Now, obviously, some of those have to bounce the right way. They haven't for the Vikings. They did for Matthew Stafford. But without the, the ability to take those risks, without the ability to say, I know this progression is telling me that I have to move off of this, 
but there are three seconds left and I have to get a touchdown. If I lose by any completion or I lose by an interception, none of that matters. So I'm just going to try and put those touchdowns, right? We saw a little bit of that in his comeback against the Saints in the playoffs, right? Um, the throw to Kyle Rudolph, right? But for the most part, we don't see that from him. And so that's why I'm concerned is that he's just too risk averse in situations where you have to throw that, you know, kind of to the wind. The takes are coming in hot. We've got a knock at the door. Uh, we got to go see who's coming into the party. Uh, let's go. Let's let's get Love the bowl. Have him put his keys in. He's going to join us now. Luke Braun of Locked On Vikings. Welcome uh, to the party, man. What's Shaking the, the cobwebs for? out? BYOB. <laughs> a little bit. Totally different type of party. <laughs> <laughs> Good. To I don't see know what you. I signed up for. Hey, hey everybody. Thing, Sam, do you like, you know, this is not the appropriate venue to discuss the various types of parties that could imply. We are just hoping that you don't uh, become too inebriated to drive home. That's what the key bowl thing means this time. That okay, is correct. Better. If there are other interpretations, I'm <laughs> yeah. too naive to know them. Yes, that that is a true statement. Are we talking about how Kirk Cousins won't make it? Yeah, we're, we're yeah. litigating the fake More or less. That we had in the trailer. Luke, yeah. let me let me tee you up here. Let okay. me tee you up. So, Kirk Cousins is a quarterback that needs everything to go right, or he needs something to be spectacular around him, right? Like, Case Keenum had one of the best defenses ever. That sort of propelled him to greatness. Now, Kirk Cousins could improve, I think, with spectacular offensive line play. I've seen nothing to suggest that that's going to get drastically better. He could have a number one defense, but are they going to go from 30 to one by just like shuffling the deck and mixing up a few pieces? No, I don't think so. Um, could they have a spectacular offensive minded coach who has amazing play calling and he pulls the right strings? I think that's TBD, but it's also the first time this guy's called plays full time. So I don't see what is that, that item is that's going to push Kirk Cousins over the top. Your thoughts. So, I, I kind of agree with Arif and I kind of don't um, in that like Kirk is he's an old dog and it's hard to he teach an old dog new tricks. He's been in the league for 10 years and the way he approaches the game is the way he approaches the game. He defended his he defends choices that that would get criticized. Right. Like when he uh, if you remember that that Packers game last year where he won the game on the back of a whole bunch of super risky but super awesome throws and then later said that's not me i don't want to be doing that even though it worked that time that throw to adam thielen that so, ruled yeah he hated it yeah yes <laughs> like out he was like yeah. i don't want and even mike zimmer was like please do more of that and kirk was in so many words was like no so i, I don't want to that's, yeah yeah <laughs> so that's always been the thing the sticking point for me like Okay, he maybe could be better if he made different decisions, but he genuinely doesn't want to make different decisions. So he's not going to be better. If Kevin O'Connell can fix that, then I think you can get something more out of Kirk. And that episode that you mentioned, Arif, with him like being asked to progress and he didn't progress or something, I, I, that gives me like a lot more optimism than I think it gives everybody else. Because um, that's a quarterback talking quarterback language to a quarterback. You know, when Mike Zimmer gives that note, it's like, hey, could you be more aggressive or be less risk averse? And in like a practical sense, well, what the hell does that mean? Does that mean I progress here or I don't? Does that mean I, I throw it when the corner is, is two yards off versus three yards off? Does it mean, you know, I, I take this versus that? Like, what is be less aggressive? Like, it's so vague. And it's Zimmer's a defensive guy. He's not going to have that lingo. 
Kevin O'Connell does. And he says, hey, you know, when you have that look, and I'm, I'm sure it was a lot more specific than what we heard in the presser, it's something like, you know, when you have that look and the corner's got outside leverage there, I know you want to throw that low and inside hook, but that will probably mean that the nickel corner's up in press, and that means that there might be a really good slot fade. So progress onward. There might be something really good on the bone that you're leaving. And meat on the bone is exactly the problem with Kirk Cousins. That's, that's the whole thing. So if Kevin O'Connell can encourage uh, Kirk Cousins to find more of that meat on the bone, yeah, we might have something a lot cooler. How that translates to the entire 2022 Vikings, I don't know. Everyone's learning a new defense, and they're going to start a whole bunch of rookies. That seems like it's not going to work great right away, and we're probably going to have to deal with some games, but uh, with some bad games. But hey, we're Vikings fans. We're used to watching teams win 40 to 30. That'd be pretty cool, actually, if we were if we were once again a team that played inside and played 40 to 30 games. I would actually kind of like that. That'd be fun. Uh, but no, it's yeah. not going to be a perfect team right away. But I think if, if we want to look for how Kirk Cousins can improve, it's because not only is Kevin O'Connell a better offensive mind and all that stuff, but because he's a quarterback who knows how to talk to a quarterback. If I can, I think we're sleeping on Wes Phillips. I think we're sleeping <laughs> on Wes Phillips as an influential character in this offense. Also major Connor Roy vibes from succession. Don't know who's a fan. But if you if you watch That's Succession, you knew Connor. Ro well, it is not a good thing. <laughs> this is more of a like an aesthetic, like a visual sort of profile. When he talks, I hear Kevin Stefanski, who is not Connor Roy. He's much more cerebral than Connor Roy. Um, I think Wes Phillips is going to be in Kirk Cousins' ear. He's going to be a calming force. So the cohesion between Phillips and KOC and Kirk is going to create this very comfortable cocoon that Kirk Cousins just gets to lay in and sort of, you know, uh, bake in for these, <laughs> what, four, five, six weeks before the regular season. Um, and then he will blossom into a butterfly in week one. I Maybe. thinking about the I mean, that's the best case. in a good place that the, that the evil dead would be. <laughs> Sorry. I shouldn't, the, I shouldn't best case scenario. Dead, spoilers. Quick pause to tell you about BetOnline.net, the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your betting needs. Find your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. Find reviews of every league, including NFL Futures, Vikings Packers Week 1 line, NHL Futures, NBA. You've also got combat sports, eSports, and golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all your sports wagering info. Live in-game betting scores and podcasts, they've got you covered. Head to BetOnline today or use your mobile device to learn more about the action happening today. BetOnline, where the game starts. Gentlemen, it's time to get into the four-minute drill. Dun-dun-dun-dun. Uh-oh. <laughs> Why was it four minutes? <laughs> All right, at some point, I want to say there's going to be a clock associated with this. It'll be like right in the middle at the intersection of our boxes if you're watching on YouTube. But until then, I'm going to have the stopwatch go on. Here's the concept of the four-minute drill, which Kirk Cousins such an expert at executing. You're each going to get a minute for a total of four minutes. You must argue the following point in your minute, and you must be convincing. This is the prompt. Where does Dalvin Cook rank? amongst players that are most valuable to the Vikings this season. Where does Dalvin Cook rank amongst most valuable players to the 2022 Vikings? Um, Luke Braun, 
for no reason except I'm looking at you right now. Uh, I'm going to have you go first, kick off the four-minute drill, probably get some, you know, you want to have some completions, you want to move the football, move the chains a couple times. Uh, let's get it going. I'll start the timer. All right. Uh, so Dalvin Cook probably ranks higher than other running backs are going to rank on their teams. He's not just some random, like, James White, right? Because Especially in the way that it seems like Kevin O'Connell is going to use running backs. He's got them splitting out wide. He's got them in bunches. He's going to be – he's been using them downfield a lot more like McVay uses running backs downfield a lot more. So this is not just going to be, um, you know, Alexander Madison, bottom of the list. Dalvin Cook's going to be a little higher than – um other teams like starting running backs that said you're going to put him behind Jefferson. You're going to put him behind Thielen. I'd put him behind Irv Smith, probably behind the tackles. Um, Kirk cousins, of course. So on just the offense, we're going to, I don't know, somewhere in the middle. Um, and I guess if you add the defense into there, I'd probably put somebody like Dalvin cook behind 10 seconds, um, the principal defensive players like Kendrick Smith Hunter. Um, so I'll estimate and go with 15th. Time, 15th, 15th most important, Dalvin Cook. Paid a lot of money to be the 15th most important player on the team. Arif Hassan. I think it's actually a little bit below 15th. In fact, maybe substantially below 15th. I think that people kind of understand my uh, stance on this is that running backs typically do not matter. Dalvin Cook probably matters a little bit more like Luke said, but not, I think, as much as, as Luke is implying. So the ways that we know that running backs are important historically and statistically is first in pass blocking, second in pass receiving, third in actually running the ball. Pass blocking, Dalvin Cook is actually bad at. Pass receiving, Dalvin Cook, I think, is unfortunately overrated by fans. He's kind of mediocre at it until we have more evidence otherwise. Third is running the ball. He's very good at that, but that's the least important skill a running back can have. The more influence you have on running the ball comes from run blocking. Now, Dalvin Cook can add 20 yards to a 20-yard run in a way that Alexander Madison can't, but that is an exceedingly rare circumstance. does not add as much to value as being able to get those first four or five yards, which is controlled more by seconds. the offensive line than anything else. Plus, he's got a high-level replacement, Alexander Madison, and two other potential replacements in Kenny Wangu and, uh, and Ty Chandler. Uh, if he goes down, the Vikings running game will continue apace, and they might even get better Time. because they've got better receivers. Arif gets up and spikes the football, stops the clock. Two minutes left in the four-minute drill, and it's Luke Inman's turn. Yeah, if it was just who's the most talented guys on the roster, Dalvin would probably be in that top five discussion. But when it comes to the value, it's hard to say until you know how and how often KOC is going to use Dalvin. And not just, well, what's the pass-run balance going to look like? With the old regime, it was just, we're going to line it up, run the ball 25 times, no matter what. They knew it. We know it. You can put eight men, nine men in the box. Didn't matter. We know that's not going to be the case this time around. So seeing Delvin and his touches drop from 25 to 15 isn't going to shock me, but how those 15 touches are dispersed and how they maximize his touches, that's going to be the catalyst to his production and efficiency in this offense. And if they play it right, those 15 touches could be more effective than what we saw under Zimmer's offense. Bottom line, though, when you look at the, the value of him, how far is the drop-off from the guys behind him? We know what Madison and now Kenny Nwangu can offer. We know ten. the Rams didn't have a Dalvin Talon on there, but I'm going to say in that 8-10 to 10 range outside of Cousins, J.J. Hunter, Zedarius, O'Neal, Kendricks, Thielen, and Harry, in that 8-10 to 10 range. Everybody with a very like measured view of Dalvin Cook. And I thought I was going to be somewhat hot of a take going out of the top 10, but I agree. I think he's out of the top 10. I look at Cousins, Jefferson, 
Thielen. I could argue that your third wide receiver, Osborne, might be more important. Irv Smith, and especially, too, with the lack of depth. There's no, there's no tight end depth, right? There's very little offensive tackle depth, very little edge rushing depth. So all of those players are more important. When you have Alex Madison, Kenny Wongwu, Ty Chandler, when they can all fill in for Dalvin Cook and give you 80, 85% of what he's able to give you, you're going to be fine. In addition to that, Dalvin Cook is injury prone. Dalvin Cook is drop prone in the passing game, as Arif alluded to. And, I mean, he is substantially worse in the second half of seasons because of the injury problems, and that reduces his effectiveness. So I think he's about the 11th most important person. Uh, Many, many other positions of great positional value. That's the end of the four-minute drill. Good job, fellas. I want to jump into our next segment called Rank'em. And, Arif, you were with me as we came up with the genesis for this topic. These are the players I want you to rank. And I can't not smile talking about it because I think this is going to be hilarious. I want you to rank four of the most disappointing Vikings offensive draft picks in the last uh, decade. And this is why I bring it up today. There was a question for uh, for Ed Donatel and Kevin O'Connell about the right guard battle. And I'm sorry, not Donatel. It was Wes Phillips, the offensive coordinator. And no one mentioned Wyatt Davis. Not a mention. They mentioned Jesse oh. Davis. They mentioned Ed Ingram, a rookie. They mentioned Chris Reed. No one mentioned Wyatt Davis. So Wyatt Davis is headed down this track where he's going to join TJ Clemmings, Willie Beavers, Drew Samia. I want you to rank Davis in that group amongst disappointing flameouts that the Vikings have drafted um, in the third and fourth rounds. Who wants to go Man, first? That is that is so interesting. So I think uh, if we're ranking best to worst, I think Clemmings actually is up top, which is wild to me. Um, but uh, Clemmings, I think, uh, I mean, he was obviously the worst tackle in the NFL when he was playing as a starting tackle. Uh, but this is kind of the the cards were dealt in terms of ranking. And I think that he had not only much more upside, he had much more reason to believe in the player that he was. And he was kind of forced into an unfortunate circumstance. He had all the tools. Plus, I thought he played a little bit better than uh, someone like Willie Beavers. So I'm going to put Clemmings up top. Uh, and then Beavers didn't that, play, though. What did Beavers, I mean, Beavers practice, but Beavers didn't play. Right. I think that that's part of the problem, right? <laughs> like, like so, so, the, so Beavers, so a quick preview, Beavers is number four for me, right? Because he got cut as a rookie, as a fourth round pick. That happens yeah, that's bad. once a year in the league, right? Uh, ever, or not once a year, once every two years in the league right? Like it's one out of every 64 cut down sessions. You cut a fourth round rookie before week one, right? So that just doesn't happen. So Beavers to me is number four. Another reason Beavers is number four is because you should have known coming out of college, you had the worst pass blocking efficiency of any player uh, draft eligible that year at tackle in the NFL. You should have known, and he wasn't good enough to even be be on the roster when he was drafted and you know the vikings famously have strong offensive line depth right like it would have been so hard for him to break the roster so he's number four for me and so between drew samia and wyatt davis uh i'm gonna go drew samia above wyatt davis um again this is kind of a situation where it's like we didn't think about cutting drew samia in year two and we're almost i i just put out 53 where i cut wyatt davis every 53 i've put out i've cut wyatt davis right it's not a given, but it seems more likely than not. I was not at that place with Drew Samia year two. So it's TJ Clemmings, Drew Samia, Wyatt Davis, Willie Beavers for me. 
See, that's interesting because I could easily reverse that list and argue that those that played yeah. more, that TJ Clemmings, by virtue of starting two years for the Vikings, was more damaging than someone like Willie Beavers, which therefore makes him a worse draft pick. PFF rank as a rookie. This isn't as bad as I remembered, actually. 50 of 61. So he's in the bottom 15%. Hey. That's, uh, that's next year for TJ Clemmings, 60. That's true. 62 of 63, TJ Clemmings in 2016. That is damaging to the team. Drew Samia. Hey, 91st. This is more damaging as a quarterback than Nathan <laughs> Peterman, but who would you rather have? I see your point, but I don't see your point. <laughs> <laughs> Not, Drew Samia, 91st of 92 in 2020. Willie Beavers played 11 career snaps. So, like, while he never even reached the point where he could be thought of to be thrown into a game, I mean, Drew Samia, they did not want Drew Samia in that spot. They did not want TJ Clemmings in that spot because uh, they clearly were not good. But circumstance dictated that they play, and I feel like by, because Clemmings gave you 30 games of terrible offensive line play, that is the worst draft pick. Anyone else it's want not to care to They care brought to in contest? two right tackles. Both of them got injured before he, like, it's not his fault, man. They brought it, Andre Smith and Phil Lothold. Yeah, I, I, lean, I see what you're saying, Sam. I, the argument can be made. Play a little devil's advocate. But I lean more with, uh, with a reef on this one because – Apparently, clearly, the coaches still thought, and again, given those two major injuries right before the season, Clemens was the best option. So it could have been even worse, despite how bad he was. Clemens at least gave you, uh, what, 16 games in 2016, I want to say. He, he started a hand, I mean, a lot of games, obviously. Willie Beavers, to get cut, like Reef said, as a fourth-round pick before week one is unheard of. Drew Samia, I remember a little hype coming out. You remember he was with that great offensive line protecting Kyler Murray. I think it was Ben Powers. Creed Humphrey was on that offensive line as well. He obviously flamed out what he would he start four games, I think, last season. Wyatt Davis, I guess, is still an unknown. Doesn't look good. It's looking bleak uh, more and more every day. But there's still a little bit of an unknown Remington Award winner in the Big Ten. Not that that means much, but it's it's at least something to cling on to for, for some fans anyway. So I think I, I like TJ at the top, Wyatt Davis next, just because we don't know for sure yet. Still only second season. And then I'll go Drew Samia and Willie Beavers has to be last for me. And Wyatt Davis probably becomes the biggest bust if he goes through this year, doesn't play, gets cut year three. He probably is then, because that'd be thir a third-round pick compared to the other guys, all fourth-round picks, and Davis not even getting a sniff. Luke Braun, your thoughts? Yeah, I, I think I have to put Willie Beaver Beavers at the top of most disappointing. Like, he couldn't make a team, man. Like, that's amazing. <laughs> I, and he still can't make it. He's still getting opportunities, which is even more amazing. Is but, like, that's really? horrific. <laughs> Uh, and not making more teams. Like, I don't know how he keeps getting invites. In the but, National like, Football they're... League, he's getting opportunities? Oh, yeah. In, like... uh, among others, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so I figured it'd be like an he's... Eastern Europe kind of thing. So he's the worst for me. And then you get into this, like, glut of Wyatt Davis, TJ Clemmings, Drew Samia. And then for me, number five on my list is Kellen Mond. Um, but... He's not a guard. What I don't doing? know. Like... <laughs> oh, he would oh, be a bad I thought guard. He just makes all the, all the lists. No, he's an um, offensive lineman. Come on, man. Well, he'd be a terrible guard. Uh, 
So <laughs> keeps losing so, weight. Well, we don't know. I that. Have, <laughs> I, so I have um, TJ Clemmings next because he did make a team and he did end up starting, but he shouldn't have. Like you said, like that was an insane circumstance, and I feel like if it if the Vikings weren't like if he weren't a fourth round pick and obviously he was like an athletic project so you're gonna put him on the team no matter what but like I don't think he ever played at a rosterable level and like neither did Willie Beavers but I think TJ Clemmings was just a little better than Beavers um and then I would go with Wyatt Davis who does also seem like he's going down that path of have we ever seen Wyatt Davis play at a rosterable level so far no and if he gets cut this year oops yikes and then um, I would put Drew Samia because I don't think Drew Samia played at a very good level at all. Maybe not even good enough to be a backup. He at least had moments of you can buy this guy on a 53-man roster, and that's where we're at right now. It, it would be a major yikes if for Davis that after one year, they bring in Schlotman, Reed, Davis, mm. Draft Ingram. After one year. Like, not, not even, like, the new coaching staff optimism to say, oh, this guy's young, we'll coach him up. None of that. Like, they're, something is at issue with Wyatt Davis, or they're playing 40 chess, and they're going to shield him from us the entire preseason and training camp only to start him in week one. Maybe that's the next level thinking. Before we move on, Luke, I have two questions about your background. What is the name of the gnome? And is that the real Robert Smith Vikings running back who wrote that book in your background? Or is that a different Robert Smith? Of the cure. Uh, the gnome does not have a name. Uh, I just like it. That's, that's a Reddit meme, this right? Is, you the gnome because of Reddit. It is a Reddit meme, and I'm terrible for it. And you can roast me. That's okay. But this is The Rest of the Iceberg by Robert Smith. It's his autobiography, and it's weird as hell. That is a very esoteric man. Interesting. Well, Robert I mean, Smith, interesting very fellow. Unusual career path. So I guess that makes sense. Yeah. He's a very, like, he wants to be Aristotle. It's weird. Oh, now I have but to read that book. You should. You, I kind of you would like it. He kind of got a ahead of the reasons. CTE game, though. I mean, you can't say that, oh, he took too many hits because he really got out of it, the It was about his legs right for time. him. It, it was about mm -hmm. his knees for him. Um, and CTE wasn't, like, as prominent as it was you know back like in 2000 it wasn't quite as prominent but yeah he absolutely probably saved himself a lot of years on the back end of his life uh no, okay. we've got <laughs> another knock at the door we've got a guest of honor coming in um none of you know who he is except me but you all know of him and you've all been affiliated with him and you've all worked under him at some point we'll bring him in now four zone coverage alums oh, oh, and tom trier the third <laughs> joins us on oh, that's the football party tom you are the current or former boss of all of us how do you feel yeah i don't know how this is allowed obviously i'm happy to be on with all you guys uh, uh i think <laughs> but no no this is really special brings me back to the the machine days we're not quite in the in the back closet or wherever the hell cumulus put us uh it was soundproofed very small very warm uh, but Very but warm. this does remind Extremely me of the uh, the heyday of the machine. Oh my god! Oh I, my I've, god! We we are gonna have to have a new chucking contest. Yes, absolutely. Tom Schreier, 2019 champion. Uh, Arif Hassan, 2020 champion. We I guess we had a pandemic year in 2021. We didn't uh, didn't have that contest. But Tom, give us your outlook for the 2022 Vikings. 
I'm probably always a little more optimistic than uh, the average media member and less optimistic than fans, at least the optimistic ones. Um, you know, I think, I think, I think it's good. I mean, I know how negative people could be in Minnesota, but um, you know, I think it's probably like a, a 10 win team. Again, that sounds kind of rosy, I guess, to some people and other people they go, how the hell can they only win 10 games when you have these offensive weapons and, and O'Connell bringing in the offensive system and this revamped defense and, you know, hopefully a, a healthy Daniel and all this stuff. But uh, I think it'll be something in there. I think it's one of those things which will be, unsatisfactory because people either wanted them to burn it down and, and do something completely new with the new people coming in, or they wanted the new people to come in and inject something completely unique and different and turn this into like a 14 win team. So I don't know. I kind of look at it as I think each game will be entertaining. I think it'll be well played. I don't think it'll be as tense. Obviously it can't get much more tense than almost losing to the lions and seeing the coach and the quarterback kind of sort of go at it. Um, but I think it'll be a, it'll be a better feeling season because I think they'll win games normally. I don't know how to put it other than that. Like, like that they, they won't be like a, you know, a chip shot miss or something in Arizona or barely beating Detroit or losing in their end zone because the guys were playing back or something. I think the Vikings will be sort of normal this year, and that's a step forward. Tom, uh, in my background, you see there's some flame. There's a fire there. That's mm -hmm. representative of the takes that we're going to have on this show. Give us a hot take about the 2022 Vikings. Could, could be anything. Yeah, no, I'm trying to think out loud here because I don't, I must be a very unexciting taker, I guess. I'm trying to think of what like the best, most interesting could be that Kevin O'Connell wears like the the cutoff like Belichick because that's like his mentor. It could be. That, I hope not. Um, I, he, actually, here's the thing, just real quick, because I was watching. Brana has this documentary on the history of the Vikings, which again, I don't know how you found some of this footage, but the Vikings played the Chiefs, and the Chiefs uh, coach had a suit on. Was that right? Like he was, mm -hmm. he wore a suit on the sideline. Yeah, I actually could mm -hmm. see. O'Connell going the other way more. This is not my hot take. This is just a take on O'Connell. No one needs to hear. Like, I think, I, I think there was a guy like Miami's coach or something had a, he didn't even wear the suit jacket, right? He just had the orange tie and the white, uh, you know, suit, you know, whatever. But I think, I think O'Connell's more that he's, he's some guys, it looks appropriate for them to be in sweats or whatever. It almost seems inappropriate. He's so buttoned up with like what he says and how he addresses people. And like, he has like this whole program in mind. And he's like, we're moving from the learning phase to the competitive phase. And I'm constantly answering the whys about our program and, and what the guys are doing on the field. And there's something about him that it's like, he definitely will not go the Belichick route. The Belichick routes, I'm good. And doesn't matter what I wear on the sideline or whatever. I think with O'Connell, it's, it's like, this is going to work out. Like that's what he's projecting, right? Like I'm in control here, even though he's a first year head coach. So I don't see him going that direction. I mean, like one thing I can think of and I'll progress towards a take that's actually exciting and interesting is like, I think people are actually going to like this Vikings team. I don't, I don't, I think even if last year's team had snuck into the playoffs or whatever, I think people had been like, that is unearned. Like this is not what the Vikings should be. The Vikings shouldn't be relying on a last second kick in Arizona or they shouldn't be coming down the wire with Detroit or they shouldn't have lost to Cincinnati because we didn't realize how good Cincinnati was in week one and they essentially beat themselves um, you know you go down the list of all these games they played and it's like you could look at the final score or you could look at the stat sheet and you'd be like man that should have been a lot better but it was spoiled by something and, and then you compound that with these bad losses you know losing to Cooper Rush or whatever losing to in Detroit um, I think I think there's so much pressure on this team to either like be 
better than the Packers, which I just don't think they will be in year one, given that, you know, Rogers is still there or like people are ready to just pounce on him and be like, these idiots should have burned it down. Why are you charging the credit card? Why are you pushing money back? Uh, when, when we knew this team wasn't that good. And I do actually think people will leave more satisfied if anything, because I think the best thing the Vikings can do to go back to what I said before is establish a sense of normalcy. The problem is this is always the team that does something ridiculous and wrong. You know what I mean? And I think if you have Mm -hmm. someone buttoned up who brings in modern techniques, you know, I just, from what I've heard from Donatello, tell and and the guys down um from Quasi from O'Connell like I think they're just trying to like wrestle this thing to the ground and I don't know if you ever will I think that's just an aspect of Viking football that goes back through their history and I just think football is weird and it's 40 or 53 men and there's all sorts of kind of drama around every team especially the Vikings but I part of me just thinks man they might we might come away and be like that was weird. That was actually kind of a normal season. Like it didn't feel like watching the Vikings, but actually to have that take, I can't be like, there's something ridiculous that will happen. Cause I just, I haven't pinpointed it yet. We'll find it. We'll no, know no, it by week three. This, or... No, this no is, so this you're, that is a hot take because no, that's because good. Your take is essentially that the Vikings will be a normal team. And I've never seen that in my <laughs> yes. life. No, yeah, that's no. Fortune. <laughs> and the bar is low, guys. The bar is very low. And be normal. And that they will be a genuinely a be enjoyable experience. You mean to tell me the Vikings right. aren't going yeah, to eviscerate me every Sunday? What is no? Yeah, no. This is, yeah, this is scorching. Yeah, the Vikings might be good for your mental health. Now, Tom, you've had to edit all uh, what all four of us at some point. Tell me who. <laughs> yeah. Power rank the the copy. Oh no, the copy that you've had to to read on that's come across your desk. Uh, Sam is asking like a question that clearly favors me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I did. see. That's the thing is like, Ron, I'll get to you last because I currently work with you and you also know where I live and I know you're not super close to me, but you're close enough that I'm worried about it. <laughs> you are an American. Not close all our writers are in America. <laughs> You're a domestic flight. You're a domestic flight. Uh, the, although a very expensive one now with how much gas is. Uh, the, uh, yeah. yeah, Sam, you did ask us in favor of you. Your copy was always spectacularly clean. I, you know, they listen, I always say that most of our writers who come here are really clean writers who need to learn how to like find topics or people who have really smart takes, really understand the game. And I'm like, dude, I actually have to teach you how to write because no one can read this as you sent it to me in the Google Doc. So obviously we have a system to get it uh, publishable. Um, but Sam, obviously you had both. You knew the topics, you knew how to cover yeah. the team. You also wrote Checks really in the cleanly. Mail. Um, appreciate it. I appreciate it. I hope it's enough. Um, <laughs> The actually, Arif, I think yours was fine. I think the I think the issue is like I was under the most pressure with you because a I had to make sure I wasn't screwing up your concept um, work because uh, it just was so high level that I, I've watched football all my life. I I don't understand all the analytics behind it. I don't understand all the strategy behind it. The other thing is people online were criticizing like you're working a way that criticizes the editor. You know what I mean? Like sometimes you'd send something yeah. or you'd come by me and people would be like, Arif needs an editor. And I'd be like, Hey, what the hell? He has one. <laughs> I do edit his work. Um, obviously, you know, now you, you and Brandon it, you both know, who were like fantastic with it. It was just, well, I, I mean, Brandon, like, Brandon right, still well, edits for us. He, oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. and people online are nuts. I always tell our guys like, don't go on Reddit. Don't, <laughs> cancel your Facebook, stay off Twitter to the extent you can. Like, 
um, the uh, the, this isn't like um, advice for your career. This is just advice. You should just yeah. This is just have good mental health. Uh, I think uh, to avoid like yeah the dredges of society. But I I'm gonna regret saying that out loud. But the the, yeah the point follow us on Twitter at locked on min. That's at locked on min. Um, There's a good yeah. Tom Schreier laugh. And, I was wondering then, when we get then, there. And then we, we have to get to Luke Inman's copy because I've I've seen. We it. will it's, get to it. I, I, it, it. I think it was I, like I think it was like day three. Tom was like, you know, when you spell knife, the K is silent, right? You know that, right? <laughs> I don't know if this Luke, is gonna work. Are, I would say here's the thing, Bron, and it's not just because we're sitting here looking at each other over the screen. Your writing is actually perfectly fine. You really know the the concepts. I, uh, we were talking about, we were like, Bron, it's like you're teaching a class. And I guess that is kind of what you're writing is. You're trying to explain to a doofus oh, like me, like, oh. here's, here is how the... the tagline is kid you copied off in math. <laughs> yeah, that's what I and honestly, leaning it's the brand. The brand. <laughs> that's the brand. Had we, had we, had we been the same age and I had gone to your high school, I probably would have. Crazy hot take right there, Tom. Uh, Zonecoverage.com. <laughs> well said, well said. Beautiful. Vikings yeah. content. You got wild content. You're covering the the border team, the green and gold as well. There's plenty I know, there I know. for a Minnesota sports fan. Uh, thanks a lot for joining us, Tom. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right. As Tom Schreier, zonecoverage.com. Let's keep ranking stuff. I've got one more rankum topic. Jared Allen is going into the Ring of Honor October 30th. Got me thinking, where does Jared Allen rank amongst greatest Vikings? that were not drafted by the team. I've got him second behind Chris Carter. Okay. Would anyone care to disagree? Or remind well, me of so Are, are we including UDFAs? Because technically not drafted. They were brought in. UDFAs, uh, John, obviously. John, John Randall. Randall in there? Yeah. Yeah. So, John Randall, Adam mm-hmm. Thielen, obviously. I, I, I would, mean, there's, a, there's a couple in Jim there. Jim Marshall. Jim Marshall. Okay, I mean, well, let's uh, change the. Can we change the rules? How about players yeah. that were, yeah, Drafted that were not acquired as rookies okay. by the Minnesota Vikings? Because you're right, that yeah, does Chris, that is not technically drafted. Sure, Chris Carter's a good mm-hmm. one. Steve Hutchinson and Antoine Winfield have to be mm-hmm. near the top mm-hmm. for Winfield me. Was, Brett Favre, obviously, there, yeah. there's two cases to be made. Well, he only gave you one great year and then two years total, but that one year was obviously magical. I think Steve Hutch and Antoine Winfield, and even Pat Williams as well, all belong up there. But Steve Hutch and Antoine Winfield, I think, have to be ranked right next to Jared Allen in those top three. Yeah, when you uh, yeah, think about I, I actually that, just no, go ahead, Arif. Just, I was going to say that that 2009 team that made it that yeah, run. Think of how right? many great players they brought yeah. in from elsewhere. I mean, Lieber. Yeah. was part of that um you know even like Mediu williams was on that team and hutchinson and oh yeah. um yeah a whole bunch of them Vasante hey, let's not forget who brought in Marian antoine winfield williams. mike tice God, i hated Mediu thank williams. you mike tice 17 year old idiot <laughs> yeah uh, <laughs> go so, ahead <laughs> so uh the 2019 was like full of them which is really fantastic um yeah, I my immediately went to Antoine Winfield. Um, and if I like if I put up Jared Allen against, say, like Pat Williams and Antoine Winfield and uh, and Chris Carter and all that, 
I it's I think that over the years we've come to underrate Jared Allen. He was a phenomenal mm-hmm. player. Not to say Antoine Winfield mm-hmm. was, not to say Pat Williams wasn't, but um, you know Winfield is a borderline Hall of Fame case. Personally, I think he should go in. Pat Williams is a Hall of Very Good case, right? Um, Chris mm-hmm. Carter is one of the best receivers of all time, and so it's kind of in between there. I I would also I think put uh, Jared Allen second on that list, and I think Winfield is very close. Um, I think mm-hmm. Pat Williams is up there. I think Hutch, obviously, is a Hall of Fame. Uh, I I don't know, Locke, because he's a guard, but he should be a Hall of Fame Locke, right? Um, and so that's kind of where you're at. And I think that that Hutch is actually closer than Winfield or or Pat Williams on that list. Um, but it is, it is tough for me because I just I think that it's so easy to underrate the impact that Allen had. Um, because he, I mean, there were there were moments in his career he's better than Demarcus Ware, right? And a lot of people put Demarcus Ware, rightfully so, in this enormous pedestal. Um, there were moments throughout the years that he was better than Ware, that he was better than you know Mathis and 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 you know that pair that they had with the Colts. You know, he was phenomenal, um, and and he was better against the run than I think a lot of people really gave him credit for. Um, and you know, he's you know a hundred plus sack guy. It's just tough to beat the Jared Allen's impact on the team. So I think I'll agree with Sam here that he was second. And I think it's really high praise because the Vikings have brought in a lot of really uh, talented free agents. Yeah, I don't think I'm any lower on Jared Allen, but I think I, I there are just some people I have to I can't justify because there are people who are already in the Hall of Fame like Hutch, um, Gary Zimmerman. Uh, mm-hmm. There's Chris Carter. I, I kind of mm-hmm. have to put all those guys up. I would put Jared Allen above Winfield as much as I loved Winfield. Um, but I can't, the, the one I can't get past is Jim Marshall is Jim Marshall above Jared Allen. I think both should be in the hall of fame. And I think this is a genuine conversation, which is very high praise for Jared Allen. Right. Um, mm-hmm. but like who I put above there, I think, so it's either like fourth or fifth, depending on what I decide there, but that one's really hard for me. I don't know. Cause it's really hard for me to like era adjust that. And, um, I don't know. Yeah. I, I think Jared Allen was a, a Jim Marshall quality defensive end for us in 2009 which like yep that i mean what that sounds like it means i th- I, th- I think he was i would think he was better than jim marshall and that's not like a disrespect to marshall it's just no, it, I think it's, it, yeah for a for a for a produ- for We're my reason is that for a producer position you you have to have high peaks and jim marshall was remarkably consistent really high level player but there was never a moment where you would have called him the best edge rusher in the nfl and for jared allen you it, had those moments so that's it remains a shame that jared allen had to spend 2010 through 2013 on those Vikings teams because three of those teams were Mm -hmm. atrocious and he deserved better. Mm -hmm. Um, And obviously one of those years, 22 sacks and no one talks about that, but what a season. Um, Secondly, pretty bad year. Otherwise three and 13. (laughs) Do you think that you're like, would it be like non-negotiable? He'd be number two, Luke Braun. If he had spent his whole career with the Vikings, does it influence you that he got about half of his sacks with another team? No, it doesn't. Because I mean, same with Gary Zimmerman, right? But that's more just that guy's already in the Hall of Fame, um, and so I'm I'm kind of taking guys that have already made it and just sort of defaulting over that. But like Jared Chris Allen's Carter, a yeah, lock. I mean, you should just consider him a Hall of Famer for this discussion. I hope. <laughs> I don't trust the Hall of Fame. All right. It's a racket. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And like, I don't know, but like, I still think I'm putting Gary Zimmerman over him. Just, I mean, he was just a, like such a lockdown guy. And then um, I'm putting Hutch over him too. Just those guys were 
so elite. Um, I think they were Jared Allen levels of elite. That's that's where I'm at. And I think if if when when Jared Allen gets his gold jacket, and you can ask me to reconsider, and I certainly will. Um, but sounds like a man I who knows his Vikings right history like pretty well. Too. You should make a documentary. <laughs> Sam, it is a fun exercise, though, because with the Broncos. It, 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 it's easy as time goes on to kind of forget all these big names, and especially when you throw the UDFAs in there as well. But you get to that second and third tier, like Linval Joseph. Yeah, didn't have the, uh, you know, quite mm -hmm. quite the longevity, but when he was mm -hmm. in there, that 2017 defense was unbelievable. Uh, Randall Cunningham, if you're going to bring up quarterbacks like Brett Favre, Randall Cunningham, short stint, but uh, 98 oh my season God, was Paul super Krauss. fun. Paul Kraus, another one. Um, wasn't Robert he come Griffin from? In, in the CFL or Washington. something like that? Uh, I don't think they drafted oh. Robert Griffin, but he played seven great seasons at safety in the uh, late 90s as well for the Vikings. Yeah, not, Griffin was not thinking of Kraus. He was Washington. CFL, yeah. Was he? Okay. So Paul okay. Kraus was drafted by Washington uh, and then also by – Yeah, Denver. and then Otto Graham didn't like that he couldn't tackle, so he traded yeah, him. So it was like, this guy's yeah. too small to play safety wow. and traded him. And he's still okay. yeah. I put, I put today. easily. Yeah. I put Paul Krause wow. above Allen. Would you like again? No shade to Allen. That's Paul Krause. But yeah, you know, yeah. Carter. Krause there were so many people just yelling at their podcast right there. Like Paul Krause. <laughs> oh, Paul yeah. Krause. <laughs> yeah. Paul Poor Krause. I, I mean, I blame Luke Braun. I mean, he's the historian, right? I got there. <laughs> Yeah, but you should have gotten there sooner. Hey, read another book, dude. Come on. We get it. You can read. I get it. I get it. All right. Well, All right. The, <laughs> as a group, as a group for getting Paul Krause, that's our party foul collectively, but we do have to conclude the show with our individual party fouls. Uh, run the animation. Biggest blunders of the week, gentlemen. It could be Vikings-related, probably preferably Vikings-related, but I'll allow you to go outside those confines for today. Uh, worst decision, worst fashion statement, worst quote uh, that you saw this week. Let's go around the table with some party fouls. Arif Hassan. Uh, that one is tough. Okay, so um, you'll all probably beat me on this, but I'm first, so I'm, I'm, I'm at a disadvantage here. My biggest issue with uh, something that happened within the Vikings organization uh, within the past couple of days that I can remember is me asking Wes Phillips a question about bunch receiver sets, stack receivers, and him responding with uh, condensed formations. Uh, that sounds extremely lame and high level, but I was looking for an answer to a question, and he answered a completely different question, and he knew it. Uh, and I would yeah. rather him say, Hey, you know, that's a strategic question. I'm not really going to answer that because, you know, we're, we're experimenting with a lot of things. Who knows what we're going to, you know, move forward with or not move forward with. And I hope you understand that, you know, we don't want to put the Vikings at a disadvantage here. I'd rather he had just said that than answer a different question so obviously that it is unhelpful to the way that I'm going to write this piece. So me asking about bunch receivers and stack receivers and him answering with an answer about condensed formations, which has nothing to do with any of that, to me is a party foul. That's very Connor Roy-like, you might say. One of the Lukes. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, I think I'm going to Arizona and uh, what they decided to Let's do in that contract yeah. with, with, with Kyler yeah. Murray. Like, what are we doing? If, if that wasn't bad enough, did anybody else have a problem that it was only four hours? Like, I have this stigma in my head that all quarterbacks are like the last guy in the library as the custodians, like shutting wow. off the lights and everything. Mm -hmm. Peyton Manning grinding the tape for an extra 40 hours. Four hours? 
That was it? That's yeah. what you complained like, about? Well, you have an hour a day. Hours? It's, it's okay. like independent right. time, right? So there's, there's the time in yeah. the team facility that he's expected. And then, for, but yeah, no, that's actually an interesting point. Four hours. Yeah, huh? that's like, like, like you chop that really up into a normal work week, a five-day work week, and what are you talking about, an extra 40 minutes a, a day? That's it? Okay, all right. Mm-hmm. Love it. Go Cardinals. <laughs> I'm going to go with uh, the Vikings' futile attempt to keep their offense a secret by asking fans not to take video also and then every fan it. absolutely mm-hmm. not listening. This is mine. This is also mine. Yeah. I'll jump in on you with, on, with that so one. So this was like – I get it, right? You're a you're a scheme whiz head coach, and nobody knows what you're gonna run yet. Nobody knows your playbook. It's your first year. Nobody knows, has any tape on offenses that you've like a hundred percent. Even in Washington, you didn't really have control, and in L.A., it was a McVay. Like, I get it, but it's training camp. Fans are going to take video, and in about 40 minutes of the first practice open to fans, we had people already posting pages out of McVay's playbook that Kevin O'Connell was using. Like, we already knew it immediately, and we're Twitter. Like, I'm sorry, was, the Packers have this perfect. already. It was It was perfect. glorious. Like the, fact that, uh, the fact that the playbook pages were posted along with the videos, of, it just, yeah. nothing could have been better, honestly. It New was head coach so fun, yeah, that, like, but like, oof. I mean, like, meanwhile, the Ravens are like, you go to ravens.com, you see like all the team drill practice. All 22. Footage. Yeah. All 22 <laughs> yeah, of it. Yeah. It's, like, it's like, come on, man. <laughs> Rashad Bateman making plays. Yeah. I mean, so my understanding is that there was some concern that the Dalvin Cook lining up as a wide receiver thing in OTAs got so much press. Um, so that concern sort of lingered into training camp. And then there might have been some videos posted early in training camp when the practices were not public that further kind of raised the eyebrows of the team um, and their paranoia level. And that I, I don't know if they planned this all along or if they kind of decided this last second, but it really is just empowering the fans. Like any fan who's going there to post to Twitter is going oh, to get yeah. it done. Like they're, mm-hmm. and now mm-hmm. they're going, and now reporters can't post. That's the other, other part of this that those right. that are on it, the sideline with credentials are not allowed yeah. to post at all. And we can't, like, we can't risk that by posting and going rogue. But the fans obviously can do whatever they want. So now this is they have become the only warfare. source. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, this is, yeah, no, this it, is, it creates uh, a, a huge incentive for fans to do that, right? Because if the reporters can't do that, the fans become the only source of that kind of content. Whereas, the, I mean, teams like the Browns, the Ravens, I already mentioned, they're getting ahead of it, but just posting it themselves, right? Like, <laughs> and And the Vikings are also doing that too, which is a little hypocritical that they are posting oh, yeah. full plays. And not always like an all-22 angle, but you're seeing stuff you know, from the team that um, they wouldn't sanction a fan or reporter to post. So uh, that's a party foul. Uh, blow the whistle. And uh, I can't whistle. That's uh, that's yeah, the end wow. of the show. Get, get a whistle. Oh, <laughs> Let's uh, see if I can hydrate. Oh, no. Best I got. I can't that's, do like the okay, two so things. That's a fifth party foul. All right. We're and you have a dog? Oh, yeah, that's my mine. Now. You can have the. He doesn't listen one. to me. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> yeah, right. I wonder why. Yeah. Uh, that's the football party for this week. 
you can subscribe on YouTube. You can subscribe wherever you get your podcast. You can uh, check out the videos. Again, that's Locked On Sports Minnesota <laughs> YouTube feed and podcast feed. What is the laughter? About I'm just the looking YouTube? at a reef and, and I'm just reacting. No, don't worry about it. No, don't worry about it. <laughs> Thanks for watching the show. Thanks for listening to the show. That's Luke Braun, Luke and Arif Hassan. I'm Sam Ekstrom. Mondays and Thursdays when the show drops. Thursday, we'll be back at it. Until then, it's been a good party. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. 